everybody, welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360, and my brother Steve, who normally joins us, he's actually out of the studio and will be for the next couple of weeks. But in this case, since I'm holding down the studio fort, so to speak, our topic of the day is Gamescom 2021. I'm going to be getting right into it, but first things first... Make sure you offer a bratwurst to that subscribe button. Maybe poke that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. No, that's out of the way. So what's going to be interesting about Gamescom 2021 for me as I share my thoughts with all of you is the show itself, it's kind of unique in its own way. It has its own kind of persona. It takes place in Germany. And it's kind of a place where more often than not, we see a lot of games that have already been announced at places like E3. Only they are farther along. They show different types of, of gameplay, um, maybe some deep dives, that sort of thing, which is all well and good. It's it's a, it's actually really cool for, for certain games that you may have an interest in, in wanting to learn more about. And this, this year was no exception. It was the exact same thing. And so I have curated a list of different games or different types of announcements that I, for one, was excited or curious about. So I thought I would share the highlights uh, with all of you in, in regards to that. So starting from the top, um, Forza, particularly Forza 5, Forza 5 is a game that I am super stoked about. Whenever I see some sort of new footage or new type of, of announcement or any kind of details regarding this game, I'm all about wanting to check it out. And it's, it's really interesting because 2021 is shaping up to be a kind of year where we've seen number or number. <laughs> we've seen numerous AAA titles get postponed or pushed into 2022 and beyond. Which is a bit of a bummer because initially the the general consensus of what was going to be released in 2021, I mean, it, it, we were going to have a banner year in terms of what was coming out on the PS5 and the Xbox. However, it's it's increasingly becoming not the case. We still do have uh, a handful of big titles that are still going to be released this year, but it's not nearly like this huge treasure trove that we were promised initially. Going over to Forza 5, though, so they show off this gameplay trailer that, that kind of demonstrates, like, when you first start up the game, how you see the, these vehicles that are basically getting shoved off this aircraft, which is totally appropriate considering the fact that it is, in fact, Forza 5. And um, really, it's just the Forza Horizon series that that is known for kind of, like, the more of this over-the-top uh, showmanship way, which I love. I, I personally love all the production value that goes into all of that. But you see these vehicles that get pushed out of the, the, the aircraft and then land um, onto the road. You know, you see them parachuting down and then, then uh, you take off. And the, their focus was around a location in Mexico, specifically some sort of volcano. And I do apologize because I, I don't know the name of that area. However, I mean, it looks just as gorgeous as all of the other gameplay trailers that they have released thus far. And one of the additional announcements that they made that I was honestly really excited about 
was this new custom design controller that they are going to be releasing. And it's completely within the theme of Forza Horizon 5. They've incorporated a lot of the, the color palettes that they're using as kind of like their, their theme for, for this version of the game. But also, too, like... If you look at the controller, I mean, it's got the blues and the pinks and the yellows, and it's got kind of like that spray paint kind of um, quality to, or, or texture to it. I, for one, have become a very big fan of these types of custom design controllers that, that Microsoft has come out with. For instance, like I own the Sea of Thieves uh, Xbox controller that they released a little while ago. I still use it to this day. Every time I play Sea of Thieves, I use that specific controller because I just love... I don't know, like for some reason, I, it makes me feel that much more immersed into the world of Sea of Thieves. And when I see the controller for Forza 5, I feel the exact same way. Like I am totally going to pick up one of those controllers and I, that will be like my go-to controller for playing Forza Horizon 5, as well as probably any other Forza Horizon title that comes out because I, I don't know, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness that goes into these designs. These are, these are not just an afterthought. And, and, and for someone like myself, I'm surprised simply because in the past, I wasn't really that diehard of, of being a collector of various controllers for systems that would come out. I had friends that would do that and, and that's great. You know, if, if that's something that they wanted to do, but for me personally, it was like, no, I'm cool with like the, the official controller that the system came with. And ever since I got, I want to say probably around the Xbox One X, right around there, they have really started to make this, this robust process of like, if, if you want to go in and make your own controller, you can do that. They also have controllers that they've designed and this one is no slouch. If you look at it, What's really cool is like on the backside when you're gripping the controller, you can see they've kind of mimicked a carbon fiber kind of look, almost as if like like what you would expect certain parts of the car to consist of. Or maybe even like having a texture similar to that of a steering wheel when you're gripping it as, as a race car driver. And then you have, like I mentioned earlier, you have the blues, the pinks, the yellows that, that are kind of across the, the, the front part of the, the controller itself. And... I mean, th th there were things about it that I, I, I find myself missing, and that's a very good thing, because like, I've re-watched this trailer several times just to kind of see the little details that they have put in there that I've missed in, in the previous watches. So really, really happy about that. Can't wait to get my own copy. They also show Crossfire X, which was interesting because it's definitely in that first-person shooter vein, that, that genre. They have... I, I, and again, I'm not too familiar with like the game itself. This was kind of like my, my first uh, exposure to it. It got my curiosity going. I wanted to be able to see more of it. And honestly, I want to see how it plays. I think that's the biggest thing about it is like I was digging the, the visuals of the game. I think that, that the art direction is strong. I just want to be able to see if, if, if I dig the gameplay on it or not. Um, Age of Empires 4 was another game that came out um, during the show. And, you know, this type of genre is always one where, like, I, I play it for a while and then I put it down for a few years and, and I don't play it at all. And then all of a sudden I have, like, this really strong inkling to come back in and, and play it. 
And I feel like this game is going to be releasing right around the time where like, I am now really ready to, to jump back into that genre again and, and be able to, to, um, command my, my own empire and try and see if I can conquer and dominate and all that fun stuff. So I actually don't remember if they gave a release date. I'm, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's coming out probably around third or fourth quarter of this year and was really digging the graphics fidelity. I think that the, the LOD is looking pretty impressive and I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays on the Xbox Series X in 4K. I think that's going to look really, really nice. Now, switching gears over to Halo. So if you've watched the, the, the show up to this point, Steve and I have had... Um, it, it's it's a, a cautiously optimistic approach to this game because, as we all know, when we saw the first gameplay trailer that they dropped... Um, it was a bit underwhelming last year. And, and, and I think Microsoft and specifically 343 Industries, they took that to heart. They were, were really working hard to, to continue polishing it, making it what hopefully what the fans will love. And then they had another trailer that came out during E3, in which case I really liked what I saw, um, especially the, the multiplayer uh, component of it. I mean, like, like they had a whole trailer that was just dedicated to multiplayer. And I, and I was... I was feeling pretty good. Like, like it's weird to say, but just looking at the trailer, I got the feeling about how the game controlled and how the gameplay is not a hundred percent mind you, but like just, there was enough there where I, I thought to myself, you know, I think, I think that they have dialed in correctly as to like what the halo experience should be when it comes to, to multiplayer. So, there were a number of different things that they showed. So first of all, they showcased this pre-rendered cinematic and it looks like we're being introduced to a brand new character who is a Spartan. We see her as kind of a younger girl and um, she's in, uh, I, what I'm guessing is a part of earth maybe. And um, there's a lot of, of destruction and um, conflict going on. You see brutes that are, clearly starting to, to um, take control of parts of the city, that sort of thing. And it kind of goes back and forth showing these flashbacks of her with her encounter with the Spartans when they come down to save her and save the days, um, essentially. And I, I mean, okay, first of all, I, I really liked the, the story behind that cinematic. I think it was a really great example of like how, when you have paragons that come forward and are able to, to save someone, how that is not lost on the person who was saved, how that in many instances is a life changing event that they will never forget. And it spurs them forward to want to actually pay it forward basically. And so that was something that I, I really thought what was a cool idea in this because you see how she's older, she's clearly a Spartan, and there are these new recruits who she's meeting and she's getting prepped and ready to to get into like you know boot camp or whatever it may be. That's all well and good. What I found surprising though was that this was a pre-rendered cinematic trailer. They didn't actually show any more gameplay. And if I were to critique it, I wish that they also had 
an additional trailer that perhaps showed more of the campaign side of things or maybe a, a mishmash of like showing some of the campaign and showing more of the multiplayer online maps, something like that, just because we're getting really close to when the game ships. I mean, it's not super close, but it's, it's going to be released in December. And, and it, it'd be, to be specific, it's December 8th. I'm just surprised that they decided to go solely with only a pre-ordered cinematic for Gamescom. Having said that, though, I'm sure they're going to be dropping more gameplay trailers the closer we get to December of this year. Now, they also showcased a limited edition Xbox Series X Halo-inspired themed console. And that looked really, really cool. I must say I was digging a lot of the, the kind of the military grays and um, some of the almost like, like a gold filigree, if you will, but like, like, like just these real uh, subtle gold accents that kind of go in through the grooves. And and then you, if you look up higher up on the console, it almost turns into like a, a night sky or maybe perhaps it's like outer space. It's, it's like this galaxy and the controller itself matched really nicely with the system. Apparently it went up, um, I think it was the same day that they announced it or shortly thereafter. I mean, it sold out super fast. I have not been able to find one because I was thinking, man, like that's something I, I would consider getting, to be honest. Maybe I would like, <laughs> I'll, I would sell my Xbox Series X over to Steve since he's like feverishly looking for one. And then that one would be uh, my, my, my official Xbox Series X console, but no, 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 that's not the case. That's not going to happen. But congratulations to everyone who actually did score one. My hope is, is that they were not all snatched up by bots because as we all know, uh, that is, that has really become a thing lately. And it's, it's just a, without digressing too far away. I mean, it's one of those, those situations where, I think that the brick and mortar locations have value in that regard where you could go to a brick and mortar location and odds are you will be able to place down a pre-order for whatever it may be. If it's a console, if it's a game, that sort of thing, you know, like there's a, there's a, a more or less proper window of opportunity that you can take advantage of versus trying to pre-order something online in which, you've got to be really lucky to be able to score something like that. Um, and, it, and it's kind of disheartening too, because you have fans who all they want to do is play the game. They're not looking to flip the system or any, um, anything close to that at all. And it's literally like you see it sell out and then you just look on eBay and all of those systems are now instantly up and are being sold for like two to three to four times as much as what they were going for. So it's a, it's a bit of a bummer. Now, one of the things, too, that I think is worth noting is how um, they also have another Xbox custom design controller that I'm really looking forward to. I'm really excited about. This one is a different color palette than what the, the console and the controller combo look like. This one is much more of like the Master Chief version. So you have more of that. Um, Master Chief green. I really love how the D-pad has more of that uh, copper gold type of color that, that, um, is similar to his, his face shield. And again, a lot of thoughtfulness is going into the different parts of the controller. Um, some of which like 
I think I believe it's like on the back side of the controller, they have like a slit that is reminiscent of um, kind of the slit that he has where he normally plugs in the little card that Cortana's in in the back of his helmet. Again, lot lot of little things like that. And so that is probably another one that I will be picking up for sure because in in um, the event that I'm in the the mood for any kind of Halo game, this will be my go-to in terms of that. Now, also, there's a, a game from 2K Games. Uh, They're they the publisher of this, but it's called Marvel Midnight Suns. And this is really surprising. I had no idea that they were working on this. And it was super cool. Like, like you have kind of like this, this more like uh, emphasis on these more aggressive, darker protagonists of the Marvel universe, like Wolverine or um, I was going to say ghost in the shell. That's not correct. It's ghost rider. Um, but you have um, all kinds of these, of these different characters who they're putting together in addition to like ones like Iron Man, which was, you know, it's kind of interesting how like, like they're, they're, putting these together. I don't really know what the story is. However, the pre-rendered cinematic that they did show, it definitely piqued my interest. And I'm very curious to see. A lot of people are talking about how this is probably going to be um, very much similar to XCOM. And I think that's the same developer who made XCOM is making this. I think hence that's why they're, they're making these comments. But I am curious to see what the actual in-game graphics look like. And I think that's kind of one of the reoccurring themes that I have or, or reactions when it comes to Gamescom 2021 is they showed a lot of pre-rendered cinematics, but not so much did they show a lot of gameplay footage, at least for the games that I was interested in. I know that when it came to more of like the indie titles and some of the other um, titles that didn't necessarily catch my attention, they did show more of the, the gameplay for that. Pivoting over to Saints Row. Saints Row is another title that I've never played before. I've seen it many times uh, if, I, um, <laughs> if I go to like a GameStop or if I'm looking on one of the gaming websites, but I've never actually played the game. This was another title that had a pre-rendered cinematic that they were showing. Again, the cinematics themselves are gorgeous. They've really gotten to a point where... I mean, for someone like myself, I, I am a fan of, of being able to watch those types of trailers in addition to more of like the actual in-game gameplay footage of, of any given title. And this one was a bit interesting um, in the sense that, I don't know, like like the, the visuals themselves kind of remind me a bit of certain Ubisoft titles in terms of like how the characters look or like how they're presenting themselves. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it is interesting to look at. I don't know. It's, it's almost like a cross between like how Ubisoft does their characters and, and to a certain extent, um, how arcane studios um, approaches their characters as well. It's like this weird kind of like mishmash of that. However, once again, it's only the pre-rendered cinematic. I have no idea how the, the, the game is going to look. However, knowing what I do know of Saints Row, it is kind of like um, a cousin to GTA. You know, like there's, there's a lot of commonality that those two titles share back and forth in terms of being more of that open world area. There's probably some sort of overarching story, but yet you have 
control over the pacing of what goes on. And I've heard that Saints Row has a bit um, of its own type of persona associated with it. Beyond that, I really can't tell you too much about the game itself simply because I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not a, well, it's, it's, it's wrong to say I'm not a fan of it. I just haven't played the series. So I, I have no base of reference. I mentioned earlier about how there are certain games that are getting pushed from 2021 into 2022 horizon forbidden West is now officially going to be coming out in on February 18th of 2022. I'm a little bummed about that because I was looking forward to playing it this year. However, it's not going to be that much farther along. And honestly, those types of games, I'm perfectly fine. Like if they need more time to be able to, to have their vision more realized before the game actually go comes out, that's fine by me. They can, they can take as much time as they want on that. Speaking of arcane studios, they had another preview to their death loop game, which I'm personally very much looking forward to. I'm um, a big fan of arcane. I've really enjoyed their dishonored series. I've liked their, their prey game. And this one in particular has again, just a whole lot of style to it. I, I was really impressed by the graphics fidelity and there's just the, the level of polish that I saw in this particular trailer. And it was fun to be able to see a bit more of not so much the razzle dazzle because I, I was sold on the razzle dazzle initially when they had some of their old, their older trailers looking into more of how the game is, is being played when you start out. I, I'm assuming the, what they showed was probably either the beginning or close to like when you actually start playing the game. And there is a lot stylistically in terms of the art direction and even the, the, the amount of, character that they've injected into their characters it makes me very much excited to play that game and i believe it's coming out exclusively initially on the ps5 and pc and i think it's like one of those like timed events or timed exclusives that will eventually open up and then it'll come out on xbox especially now that <laughs> microsoft uh, has acquired bethesda and arcane is part of bethesda so Anyway, looking forward to that. Another title that caught my interest, and I, and I saw this before Gamescom, but I've been wanting to see more footage of, is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I am a huge fan of the, the 80s arcade game of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that, that Konami came out with. It's one of my all-time favorite arcade games. They, they did so many things right with that title. And it's been bewildering, honestly, how there have been so many Ninja Turtle titles that have come out since then that really haven't caught my attention at all. Um, and really, in my opinion, they, they missed the mark in terms of being able to like re-harness like what Konami did. Konami really, I mean, they, they, they created a diamond with that arcade. It, it, it was amazing how their execution of everything on there was so just right on the money uh, for lack of a better way of, of describing it. But what I think is interesting about this particular title is so they decided to, to go back to more of that retro style. It, there is kind of a similarity in terms of what Konami did in terms of it being like, you know, it's, it's a pixelated side scroller beat em up type of game. 
And I'm excited about how we're seeing more and more of this, because if you recall, like we had a Streets of Rage reboot that came out. I want to say it was either this year or last year, or maybe it was last year. And it was fantastic. It was wonderful because you had still this this 2D um, retro style approach to the game. But in terms of the visuals, like like they had hand animated frames and there was like kind of a bump up in terms of the graphics fidelity with that, but not going away from the original type of approach, visually speaking. And I think that this is the same kind of deal where like you see them. The one thing that is... I don't know, like, like if, if I had the opportunity to be able to, to wade in a little bit with the developers, I would say I wish that the characters weren't so um, squashy, I guess you could say. Like they, they, they look like like they just need to be like kind of vertically stretched just a bit because um, as they look right now, they almost have kind of more of a kid-like uh, physique, if that makes any sense. And I, and I know that they're they're wanting to do that intentionally because it's more of like a stylistic choice. It's just for me in terms of like what I look for, what, what uh, I'd like to see is I'd like to see them look a little bit taller um, in proportions, just have their proportions be a little bit more realistic, still maintaining like the cartoony look and all that other stuff. It was interesting how they introduced April O'Neil as one of the playable characters. And not only that, but like she is going to have her own set of fighting skills um, that she can dish out on, on any kind of hapless foot soldier or any other enemy that's in the game. I'm not sure how I feel about that, honestly, because when I think about the world of Ninja Turtles, I think about like, you know, they have these different characters that are designed to be able to have a purpose within this world that they've created. However, when I, when I also think further into it, I think about, okay, well, if April has been with the turtles for this long period of time and we're, you know, we're assuming that that she's known them for decades, that chances are she probably took some lessons from master splinter. And so she's probably been able to up her game and become able to hold her own when it comes to these types of uh, combat engagements. And I can get around that. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll buy that. Uh, I, I, I can get there. So I'm looking forward to that. I, and actually another thing that comes to mind too, regarding this game, I'm wondering if there are, other playable characters that they are going to be making available for this game, whether it's at launch or as DLC, like, you know, Usagi Yojimbo is one that comes to my mind. Like that would be fantastic to have as another character that we can use for the beat em up game or Casey Jones. How about that? Wouldn't it be cool to see Casey Jones as a playable character? Even Splinter would be another fun one. And, you know, I'm thinking back to like, (laughs) <laughs> the 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 sheer number of characters that they released uh, in toy form. I mean, the, the, there are several types of characters that um, if they really wanted to go down that path and celebrate a lot of these beloved characters, they could in fact do so. And I think the fans would eat it up. The final game that, w- that made it on my list is Solstice. And Solstice totally reminds me of kind of the Dark Souls games um, or even Sekiro to a certain extent. I mean, obviously th- those are two different worlds, but just that genre of, of uh, gameplay. And what I thought was actually pretty interesting to me was how 
it consists of two sisters and one sister is, is in armor and the other sister is in kind of more of this ghost ethereal type of form. And I don't really know too much about the story at this point in time, but I thought, I think it's interesting because they have adopted kind of the God of war approach when, with these two characters, if you've played God of war on the PS4, you have, uh, both Kratos and Atreus who you can control. Like, like you, I mean, you obviously you mainly control Kratos, but you can um, send off commands and whatnot to his son. And um, Atreus will go out and, and execute certain things, whether it's being a distraction or providing supportive attacks or suppressive fire with his uh, bow and arrow, who knows? And it makes me wonder if that's going to be the case with this. It certainly looked that way. It looked like like you could, to a certain extent, be able to control uh, the ghostly sister and perhaps even from a storytelling standpoint, like the farther you get into the game, there's going to be more of that revealing of the relationship between the two sisters and uh, maybe in terms of what they're doing in this this world and how maybe her sister became a ghost, whatever. I think there's a lot of opportunity for different types of, of really fun storytelling. The graphics are very good. I must say like, like the, the moodiness and the atmosphere within this title, again, like I said um, earlier, totally reminds me of like a souls game. Some of the enemy types that I saw very much in line with that. And that's all in my book, that's all well and good. And I really loved how there was, I mean, like a lot of what we saw was at night. It was gloomy. You had kind of this castle, uh, medieval type of environment, but loved how the mood was set just right. And the graphics themselves, it's interesting because like sometimes you see certain close-ups of characters and the characters are not necessarily photo real. There, there is more of a decidedly stylistic approach to how the characters look and that sort of thing. But the game is played from a, from a certain distance where like, you don't really have to worry about that at all. Like, like everything is very cohesive from an art direction standpoint. So definitely curious to see when that comes out. I didn't see when that particular game um, was going to be coming out. I can't remember if they gave a release date on that. So I apologize in advance, but that was kind of a, what stood out to me. And, and there were a lot of other games there that, uh, I'm sure other folks are very interested in checking out. So um, all in all, I, I think it was a very interesting show. Gamescom is a very unique type of show in the sense that it's not the same as E3. I feel like E3 still kind of holds the, the expectation of this is kind of like the main time frame uh, where you have all kinds of brand new games that, that are announced. However, that's quickly changing. I mean, E3 is no longer what it used to be. And there we've been seeing kind of this fragmentation or splintering of various publishers and studios where they suddenly kind of want to have their own time in the spotlight without having to compete for it. And I think Gamescom is just another opportunity for the games community, especially in Europe, uh, to be able to come together and be able to see what each other has been working on, specifically the, the, the German uh, developers, as well as even some of the surrounding European developers as well. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to check out 
patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can consider becoming a monthly monetary contributor. You'll gain exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it helps us doing, helps us continue doing what we love to do. Uh, also, make sure you click that subscribe button and slap that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week every week. And while you're at it, Take a look on social media, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or other, and do a search for Joygasm TV and follow us on there. We tend to post some fun little nuggets during the week that you don't want to miss out on. And finally, do a search for Joygasm on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Steve is going to return in two weeks, so you get me all to yourself again next week. I'll see you then.